Hello, and welcome to the eTech Podcast with me, your host, Ryan Morn. I have been involved in the development of electrified vehicles and machines since 2005 as an engineer and a business leader. This podcast is the product of my passion for electric and autonomous vehicle technology. I'm here to share knowledge from some of the world's leading experts, as well as my own insights. Join me as we accelerate the transition to cleaner, safer and smarter vehicles and grow the industry around the world. Today's podcast is something a little bit different. It's another one of our keynote speeches. So this is uh, from a conference a couple of weeks ago in Stuttgart. I was lucky enough to be invited to talk at this conference. This is the EV battery show. So this has gone from being a really small event a few years ago to now being a a very significant event in the EV world. Lots of vehicle manufacturers attending, loads of component suppliers, everyone getting together and talking about the future of the EV industry, the components, the hardware and what's happening. So it's a great event for us. Really interesting conference session that goes alongside it. Some really technical talks. My talk at the conference was about uh, the key trends that we see in the market that drive different kinds of electrification so always quite keen to point out that it's it's not just about battery electric which is great you know we love battery electric but there's other kinds of electrification that can be really big help as well in terms of reducing emissions um, and improving the efficiency of vehicles so uh, without further ado let's get on with it Um, here is today's podcast for you Thank you. Uh, this presentation is a bit different. Um, so we've got a fairly high-level uh, canter through uh, some trends in the commercial vehicle or heavy-duty vehicle um, electrification scene that we are seeing as a business at the moment. So just a really quick introduction to, to Avid technology. Basically, we, we have three core competencies, thermofluids, high-power density motors, and power electronics. We're quite a small, innovative, and agile business. We have uh, a range of platform products and we're dealing in the heavy duty and high performance uh, vehicle space so, so quite a good um, good selection of, of customers so I guess in um, contrast to the, the last two presentations I'm going to talk a bit more about the general electrification scene so what do I mean by that we see some key trends in terms of the, the big question which is why so why, why are we electrifying in the first place and those trends drive how we electrify um, because it's not just about battery electric so I think when we we're talking about electrification we can get uh, very into fully battery electric but obviously there's a lot of other powertrain topologies and particularly for the commercial vehicle heavy-duty vehicle space there's a lot of other um, powertrain topologies which are very appropriate and bring some significant benefits so the, the first trend, you know, it's, it's fairly clear, is clean air. So very aware of this now. We have um, a lot of activity globally to do with uh, clean air, basically in the wake of the diesel scandals um, that have hit the automotive industry. That's made legislators very, very aware of the, the clean air situation. So if we want clean air, we want zero emission operation. And driven by uh, the, the, the legislation, it's kind of a the cost is not necessarily the key driver and that's unusual because typically you know commercial vehicles are different to to passenger cars you know you you might buy a tesla because you want to impress a potential uh, boyfriend or girlfriend 
but you don't buy a truck to look cool or you know unless it's a, a big rig uh, to take and show your friends you buy a truck to make money um, so the, the cost of ownership is really important and, and what we can still see even today with the costs have gone the way they've gone um, the, the total cost of ownership argument is difficult for fully electric uh, vehicles in in most applications but where we have the extra lever from government to incentivize uh, fully electric operation. And we're, and we're increasingly seeing that for different reasons because of clean air, because the governments have recognized there's a social and economic cost to air pollution. So they're prepared to invest in and incentivize um, zero emission operation vehicles. So that basically comes in two or three different flavors. Um, one of the things, if anyone who knows me knows, I find the, uh, the sort of argument between fuel cells and battery electric uh, quite entertaining. So, you know, we like fuel cells, they do solve some, uh, some, some issues in the market, but basically a fuel cell vehicle is an electric vehicle, so we like, we like it all. But uh, essentially we've got uh, fully battery electric and, and zero emission capable um, hybrid vehicles filling this space in the market. We definitely have a cost up on the vehicle powertrain. We definitely have some difficult maths to do in terms of the total cost of ownership calculations. And we're basically relying on legislation. But the good news is if you're involved in making components and powertrain systems for this kind of vehicle, there is more and more legislation coming through that is driving this. Um, so we are seeing a lot of investment uh, around the world in, in vehicles and powertrains that can deliver. Um, the typical uh, the big cost item as mentioned by the previous speaker is the, is the battery. And what we've identified here is basically the, the kinds of batteries that you'll see in these different uh, in these different applications. So ranging from high power sort of 10C cells in um, in the, the hybrid systems or the fuel cells, fuel cells effectively hybrid, um, relatively small batteries up to some some pretty massive batteries. So 300 kilowatt hours, um, even bigger numbers being quoted now. So some pretty massive batteries but with very uh, relatively low C rates. Um, so there's some interesting things happening there. The, the, really the big one, and Daimler have made a lot of noises around this, is on the solid state batteries. So they've promised us that in the next year or so, we're gonna start to see solid state, very, very high energy density batteries come through in their commercial vehicles. So it's gonna be interesting to see what's, uh, what's gonna happen there. But as I mentioned before, the whole market isn't just about fully um, high voltage, high cost electric vehicles. There are other drivers. <coughs> And the other key driver is CO2, so climate change, obviously. Um, we talk about that now. Um, we can talk about it more openly and not get laughed at uh, quite as much, depending on which country we're in. Um, but we're in Europe, so we can talk about CO2 and climate change. Um, electrification purely for CO2 is a thing, you know, and, and if you think about it from a commercial vehicle point of view, CO2 is a, is a is a, an output from the amount of fuel you burn. So it's an, essentially a measure of the operating cost of the, the vehicle or the machine. So where we have electrification purely for a fuel saving, um, which gives us a CO2 saving. So the marketing department of the company will talk lots about the environmental credentials and the CO2 reduction, um, but the fleet manager really only cares about the fuel saving. We have a different approach on, uh, on the electrification. So we wanna deliver essentially um, a solution which provides a total cost of ownership benefit to the, the fleet operator, typically in less than 18 months. So quite an aggressive um, TCO. And the previous um, speakers were talking about up to four year um, payback for fully electric. Um, most businesses that we are aware of, we deal with, it's typically 18 months or less, sometimes 12 months or less. 
So really the only way to do this at the moment is with mild hybridization. So we're going for lower voltage systems here um, with um, you know, typically 48 volts. So e even in very large commercial vehicles, we're able to deliver a good total cost of ownership benefit using a 48 volt mild hybrid system. Um, and these are um, programs that we've been involved in in the past. Um, and, we, and we can see some really, really clear results. So the, um, in the uh, sort of urban delivery truck type uh, driving cycle, you know, almost 30% fuel and CO2 savings with a mild hybrid. Very small battery packs, so very high C rates on the battery packs. So some, some quite particular challenges there. Um, so these aren't commercial vehicles, um, clearly, but I like this slide and anyone who's seen me speak before, who's, uh, use it a lot. Um, but a bit more sexy, electrification for performance. So e-machines are really, really good at delivering low-speed torque. Um, McLaren P1 came into the market, blew everyone's mind in terms of um, the performance that you could deliver with a hybrid powertrain. And now, basically, if you're launching a supercar or a hypercar, it has to be a hybrid. Um, so from um, all different manufacturers, new ones and established ones, and, and all kinds of different topologies, so fully electric, like the Rimac, or hybrid systems like McLaren uh, or Koenigsegg, even down to um, so 48 volt mild hybrid, so people don't realize, but the Ferrari LaFerrari is a 48 volt mild hybrid system. Um, so really high performance vehicle, but using um, fairly low cost um, uh, e-machines to fill in the performance gaps in the powertrain. So whilst it's all really exciting and you can get lots of benefits in a hypercar, we, we do see that this translates into the commercial vehicle market as well. Um, because essentially what you're able to do now, <clears throat> instead of having 10 engines, is have one or two engines and provide different performance points with your electrification in your drivetrain. And we are seeing manufacturers do that. And obviously, if you're making a low volume of vehicles every year, there's some quite significant operational business savings that can come from having a more rationalized range of engines. So the, the electrification for performance angle gives us some nice products to look at, but in the commercial vehicle space, um, helps us to provide additional uh, utility and rationalized platform engineering costs on the, on the vehicles and the machines. And then the, the, the other big word um, is productivity. So this didn't mean anything to me until about a year ago when a lot of our customers started to talk about productivity. Now, there's some examples on this slide of, of machines that are electrified and, and actually have been for a long time. So, you know, we talk about electrification as a very new thing, but if you went to a lot of um, open pit mines, open cast mines, as they're sometimes called, you know, even 20 years ago, you'd actually find electric powertrains in the haul trucks um, and some of the other machines that are used. So the, the basic reason for that is it's actually quite cost effective and the very large equipment and low volume production to deliver an electrified powertrain compared to a mechanical powertrain because of the low speed torque delivery and the more, the more simple kind of driveline that you can achieve with an, with an electrified machine. So these products have been around in the marketplace for quite a long time and some of them sell better than others. But one thing that you do find when you start talking to the manufacturers is actually there are particular reasons why their customers buy these products. So the, the D7E and the John Deere machine there, they talk about increased productivity. So actually 
the, the customer buys this machine because it delivers an operational benefit. It's easier to drive, it's easy to operate, I can move more earth, I need a lower skilled operator to be able to drive the machine, and that has some other cost savings um, for me as a manufacturer. Um, one of the big things about these though, um, they don't tend to have battery packs at the moment, um, although we've seen some movement on that in terms of bringing in some energy storage. So they're not even getting the benefit of uh, regeneration and of and deceleration. You, you'd never really get that in the dozer. But um, you know they, they are quite, uh, quite simple drivetrain layouts. We'll see some huge batteries um, and some huge energy storage systems starting to come into these, but it's all driven by the total cost of ownership. There's no incentive for these um, manufacturers or for their customers um, there's no sort of mandatory legislation to force them to go zero emissions. So it's all about delivering a cost saving for the end customer. Um, we have a, a very sort of particular set of characteristics in the heavy duty market. Um, like I said before, you know, you, you don't buy a truck to impress anyone, you buy it to make money. So total cost of ownership really is absolutely everything. Um, the, the purchase price of the, the vehicle or the machine is not always that significant in terms of um, of the operating costs. So you have depreciation, maybe a five or ten year asset life. That's that's a, that is a significant chunk of the cost, but it's typically not the biggest cost. Your other um, large cost items are your fuel, your operator, so your driver cost, um, and your maintenance. And and really blending all these things together uh, does drive some some quite complicated total cost of ownership calculations. And we are starting to see applications where fully electric can deliver total cost of ownership benefits. So particularly in things like transit buses, where highly transient operation, where really the service and maintenance costs start to get very high on modern low emission engines. Um, actually, the electrified powertrain delivers a very straightforward benefit in that case. In other applications, it's harder to see and um, actually deliver that total cost of ownership benefit. So the, um, the table there doesn't really show it very well here, but very uh, complex set of TCO uh, calculations to look at different use case scenarios for vehicles and machines to try and work out what an appropriate um, powertrain topology is. Essentially, it all comes down to the money. There's some particular challenges in the, in the heavy duty market. Um, and, and one of the big ones that we see at the moment is uh, batteries and battery avail availability. And it's really changed for the last two or three years. You know, if you go back three or four years, um, we literally have cell suppliers contacting us all the time, uh, trying to get us to take their cells, to test them, to integrate them into projects and, and put into new vehicles. Um, where we are right now is uh, we have some EV uh, and, and HEV programs with some very large global OEMs, and it's quite difficult actually getting the attention of the cell suppliers. So um, I think we, we running a pass-through on a, a very, very significant project that would have been millions and millions of pounds worth of business for the cell supplier recently. And out of six cell suppliers, only actually one of them was interested even in, in engaging with us on the project. So the availability of cells and the engagement from the cell suppliers is, is really, really difficult at the moment. Um, we have uh, also some issues in terms of the costing and the, and the, the pricing of the cells. So we're we're sort of um, led to believe, you know, it's $100 a kilowatt hour, $120 a kilowatt hour for passenger car cells. But actually, and then when you're buying and integrating cells at low volumes, um, 
the, the, the effective cost of the packs becomes much, much higher. Um, we don't have a very high volume to amortize any development costs across. We've got some pretty significant test costs, so statutory testing for the battery packs um, to, to spread across a low volume. So the, um, the battery pack uh, conundrum and the engagement with the cell suppliers is, is a very difficult part of the puzzle to overcome in the, in the heavy duty vehicle market. And the lower the volume that you're uh, developing in terms of vehicles, the harder that challenge becomes. So there are some solutions um, that, can be, uh, that can be used in terms of trying to help the, 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 the battery system for the heavy duty market. So typically looking at trying to leverage capacity from the passenger car space. Now, Mihai mentioned at the start, uh, commercial vehicles are very different to passenger cars. So you start out and you think, well, right, I'm gonna use some passenger car cells here. I can access the volume, I can access lower costs. I'll try and do a strategic tie up with a cell manufacturer um, and use those products. And then as soon as you start to look actually at the life cycle use, the degradation characteristics and the requirements of the commercial vehicle market, you realize quite quickly that the products are at completely opposite ends of the spectrum. So unfortunately for, for a company like us, that normally means you're trying to balance the expectations of the customer who've got it in their head that they can get sales for $120 a kilowatt hour, but actually they want them to uh, perform 25 times better than the standard that's produced for the passenger car market. So looking at ways to improve the life cycle and the performance of high volume passenger car sales um, is really key in terms of trying to leverage that scale and the volume and, and being able to develop a battery pack using high volume, low cost cells, but that delivers the performance uh, that's required for the commercial vehicle markets is, is quite a challenge. What we've found is that a, a, an awful lot of that, so probably 80% of, of that comes down to thermal management inside the pack. Um, and there's a lot in terms of how you actually manage even down to the direction, the direction of heat transfer out of the cells. So in, in passenger car application, to be honest, it doesn't really matter. You can get away with very, very simple cooling. And even in uh, vehicles that have, you know, so if you look at a Tesla, for example, the, the actual installation of the cooling system inside the battery pack is very simple. It's basically some straight pipes that run in the vicinity of the cells um, and you take heat out that way. So the, um, the pack, the internal thermal management system inside the pack is very, very straightforward. To extend the life of those same cells to suit a commercial vehicle application, you have to transform that thermal management system inside the pack to be able to take the heat out of the cells in a completely different way. Um, so it's, it's, it's a very complex challenge uh, with some significant engineering involved, which clearly then could also drive cost um, on the pack, which was said before, cost is really important in terms of then delivering total cost of ownership. So it's a very difficult um, area to overcome, but it's one that's being worked on uh, const constantly, continuously. So uh, finally, um, just in conclusion, there's a lot of possibilities um, in the commercial heavy duty market for electrification. Um, we like to talk about beyond battery electric so don't forget, um, you know, mild hybrids and uh, other electrified components in the powertrain. The drivers for the why um, uh, tend to dictate the how. So why you're trying to deliver clean air, um, you have one approach. If you're trying to deliver total cost of ownership benefits, you have another approach. And, it, and you have to have that why clearly in mind in, in the design process to make sure that you take the correct approach. Um, 
The, the market is very challenging commercially because of the fact that there's no kind of value to um, to the, the style or the kind of uh, the, the, the brand particularly. You know, people are not buying these things uh, for any other reason than to make money, uh, to operate in their fleets. Um, we can leverage some uh, components from the from the passenger vehicle market. Although I would agree with Mihai that um, you start to get the motors and the other components, it's not uh, it's not possible because of the different requirements. But it is possible with uh, very careful battery management and careful thermal management within the pack to leverage um, cells from the passenger vehicle market. In the off highway sector, actually, um, we're starting now to introduce cells from non automotive applications. So there's, there's a lot of um, cells coming into the market for industrial, uh, powered outdoor equipment and this kind of thing, um, which are not certified and approved for on-highway use, but actually you can use an off-highway application and, uh, and, and do the same job. So, so that's all. Thank you for staying with me. Uh, Very much. Yeah, so uh, it's a really interesting uh, situation now with the new uh, regulations coming through. So it's 15% uh, by 2025 and 30% by 2030. And obviously commercial vehicles are already all high efficiency turbo diesel engines. So unlike the passenger car market where there was a shift from gasoline to diesel, um, we can't do that. So we, we basically have nowhere to go other than electrification. Um, there are, within that system, there's effectively super credits for uh, battery electric. So that will, be, um, that will be a part of it. And I think that's going to end up benefiting manufacturers who um, have a wider portfolio of, uh, of products. So where they're able to sell vehicles into applications that really suit um, fully electric, that's going to also earn them credits for, um, for their, their more conventional product. But basically, we, we, we will see electrification of varying degrees introduced onto almost everything. So, you know, yeah, you call that mild hybrid uh, as a system in Europe. We're also seeing a massive pull from the North American market as well. And I think the key difference that we forget about, so in Europe, the, the base electrical voltage is 24 volts that's used on trucks. So, you know, 24 volt, you, you can do electrification around the powertrain of some of the more simple ancillaries at 24 volts and effectively have a micro or um, mini hybrid system. Um, but, you know, you, we're still seeing 24, 48 volts um, hybrids coming. But in the US, where there's a 12 volt base electrical architecture, you're very, very limited in terms of what you can electrify um, on the powertrain. So we see a very strong pull from the North American market um, for 12, 48 volts um, hybrids, and there's some, some excellent uh, solutions out there uh, for you, someone eating stand and someone else stand. <laughs> Great. Uh, so, so last year, DAF announced their, their electric CF uh, truck, and this is 
extremely small range, extremely small battery, and some argued that uh, it was you know, not suitable for, for many applications, but then the, the sort of counter argument is it's really well suited for the application it's designed for. Uh, I mean, how, how do you stand on this argument? Do you think that electric trucks are going to get sort of narrowed towards a specific application to which they're going to be optimized for, kind of what you were saying with your optimization program? Or would you say that we have to wait until the trucks can really just cover all applications before they'll be widely adopted? I, I, well, like I said, it's a point I raise, and I think, yeah, certainly in this, where, we, where we're just about seeing the business case, like I said, you can't, you can't afford to carry excess capacity in terms of if you're running a vehicle with twice the capacity, his payback's going to be twice as long. So if you're only just starting to see the business case, it has to be quite bespoke uh, in terms of it, how customised it is to the application. But then the, the volumes have to justify that, that investment in that, that, that topology um, to justify getting it out there in the first place. So I think there is a, a, the, we're at a current stage where there, there is potential for innovation to, for kind of modularity to allow you know, um, manufacturers to, to do some scaling. You're not creating a custom solution for every single vehicle, which obviously is not going to be cost effective either. You need economies of scale, uh, but you also want the scalability to be able to, uh, to, to for different operation cycles, which you're inevitably going to have in, in multiple fleets and buses and trucks, um, to be able to suit them to, to the, what you're asking those vehicles to do to make the business case work. Yeah. Oh. Do you two agree with that? I think it's a bit like. Um, you know, you're in the gym and you see a fat guy on the treadmill. It's, you, you don't tease him. He's, you've got to start somewhere. Um, so starting with uh, kind of limited um, functionality or performance on a on a vehicle, there's a huge learning curve for the OEMs to go through. They, they don't know what they don't know yet, um, and and actually they need to start that journey somewhere. Um, some some have already started, but maybe haven't quite shown their hand yet to the market. Others have been very keen to show their hand with very early, early level vehicles, um, but you have to you have to start somewhere. Yeah. Um, I think what what you do see in the background as well is you know we get very hung up on the fully electric powertrain, but same OEMs have got some pretty significant um, mild hybridization in the background as well, which is is very closely linked. You know. Yeah. What do you see in terms of the full hybrid versus the mild hybrid? Do you see them? Competing against each other or occupying different niches? Um, they, they occupy different niches, but they also compete. Uh, so the um, full hybrid comes, you, you get extra functionality, you get zero emission operation, um, but in, in effect, you've got quite a significant cost penalty. Um, I think the, 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 the biggest, other, other than the, the actual purchase costs uplift on a mild hybrid, the other biggest benefit um, from a fleet operator's point of view, if, if you, you know if you've got two trucks, actually installing some charging points in your depot and things is not not, not a problem. If you've got two hundred trucks um, installing the charging infrastructure in your depot to overnight charge or off shift charge two hundred vehicles is is very difficult, if not impossible at the moment. What you get with um, mild hybrids is the ability to have some electrification, a significant CO two benefit. Um, and you can do it now. You don't, you don't have to apply for a big fat uh, electrical grid pipe or install local batteries or big capital projects or anything like that. It's, it's, it's ready to go now, basically. So the actual adoption is much uh, smoother and frictionless for the, for, the, for the fleet operator. It will come, you know, but re really, the, so the plug-in hybrid, you're only getting the full benefit of that if you can 
if you, well, if you can plug it in, you know, high, high voltage hybrid, if you can't plug it in, um, the, the benefits over a mild hybrid are very marginal. Do you see the, sorry. But, I, but to add uh, to, to this point, uh, I do believe that there are different niches. So it's going to be very hard to do a long haul uh, full hybrid or, or EV mm. because you'll be carrying a lot of batteries. There's no, yeah. no way around that. But it makes a lot of sense to do uh, a mild hybrid in, in that application. Conversely, mm. for a bus, uh, the other, uh, the opposite might be true. But, but there are also synergies. So mild hybrids imply a certain level of electrical accessories at, say, 40 volt. That actually solves the problem for the fully electrical vehicle that needs all their uh, electrified accessories. And if you have very few EVs, then the cost of the accessories is going to be prohibitively high. Mm -hmm. So mild hybridization actually becomes a stepping stone uh, to uh, as a cost reduction, if you wish, for full hybrids by offering a um, not all but many of the accessories at significantly higher volume. Mm. So they actually also help each other. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, this is all the time we have, I'm afraid. Uh, if you have any more questions, then feel free to, to come up to us and ask them uh, personally. But thank you very much for, for coming, and I hope you had a, a good session. Okay, so I really hope you've enjoyed uh, that podcast. Uh, don't forget to leave us a comment. Um, if you've got any particular topics that you'd like us to cover, please uh, you do send us an email or a message letting, uh, letting us know what you'd like us to talk about. We've got loads of really exciting podcasts coming for you. We've got some more interviews with some really big names in the uh, industry. So don't forget to subscribe to our channel and leave us a rating. All right, uh, I hope you've enjoyed today's podcast and I look forward to talking to you again soon.